0: So, dude, the 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 video, the um, Nand the Nander or Nando, whatever it's
1: Yeah, Nando.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched both the both of the ones you had sent me, and I, I, the Quicksilver one, I was kind of like, I mean, <laughs> that's really a big nitpick to be I honest. I haven't seen like,
2: the Quicksilver one yet. Just saying. Oh, uh, okay. It's, the, uh, that, you know what? I didn't watch I can... that one because I didn't know if he was gonna reference Dark Phoenix in it or not. He.
0: He does reference Dark Phoenix, but he references as a movie Quicksilver has been in and not... Like, you see some scenes from a movie. So, I mean, I guess if you want to stay away from that for now. But the... the,
2: Dude, but yeah, the the Days of Future Past one, I did watch that. What were your thoughts on that?
0: I thought he had some really good points. And it's like, what if we would have saw Wolverine die? Like, whenever he started talking about that, I was like, wow, imagine...
1: That
2: would have like, been insane. We man. see
0: Hugh Jackman get killed.
2: Yeah, which of, of, course, they probably wouldn't have actually like killed, killed, killed. Yeah,
0: him, he would like come back, but still, like, what if they like left that brief moment where it's like, he might not get back up this time.
2: Well, you know no. the part in in um the Wolverine when Hiroshima gets bombed. And, like, mm-hmm. when he showed that comic panel, I kind of imagined that. Like, I kind of imported that yeah. picture onto mm-hmm. it. What if they did that? I mean, that would have been pretty crazy to see.
0: I don't know crazy, but, yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree with him on that video.
2: When he started talking about the freaking Mystique striker thing, I almost lost it, dude. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. We literally brought up that same point, and that was the best. It's just it insane like,
2: oh. that... Um, because last episode was the episode that we reviewed, Days of Future Past, and I literally recommended him in that episode. And then the uh-huh. next day, he uploads that video about Days of Future Past. Dude, Freddie, you know he he's the one who does the Mostly Nitpicking podcast. Him yeah, and his, yeah, yeah. his buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah he kept, oh, yeah, he that's right. It he, yeah, he, several he, times. he does that every time.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was so not like sly it was definitely like and on my podcast mostly nitpicking and i know it's probably (laughs) like it's definitely a joke because he also did it in the quicksilver video
2: oh he does it like every video who do you think um i have a question about what about that video though but who do you think is the guy he wants to to have been sent back in time
0: yeah i don't know that's the thing i was like
1: i'm pretty sure i know
2: who it is
0: we even talked about like who they could have sent back, didn't we? Like, it was brief. Yeah, well, we, we talked about it more discussion. from the
2: perspective of what like, what happened in the comics because um, mm-hmm. they sent Kitty Pride back. But I would be willing to almost bet money that he's going to send um, Iceman back instead Iceman. because he, he kind of said, like, who is sitting here doing nothing the entire time? And Iceman pretty much was just sitting there doing nothing, just being kind of moral support for Kitty. And so I think that, If they send him back instead, that would be a really interesting tension because Kitty would be the one sending her boyfriend back, and she has to keep him safe. And at the same time, she'd be scared the entire time that he's, you know, he might be in danger in the past. So that would just add another really cool layer, I think.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely have to watch. Like, I even like looked for the next video, and I was like, oh gosh, darn it, I have to wait.
2: yeah i know (laughs) because it was like
0: two days ago he had whenever i had looked whenever i watched it
2: right yeah i really like the the videos where he like takes a movie and makes one small change to it like that's like his Uh big like the main thing he does but there's some really good ones where honestly sometimes like i think of the movie in how he described it i'm pretty sure he did one for apocalypse at one point too I'm Freddie. And Freddy, who are we?
0: Connor. We are none other than the one and only Cinema Seekers.
2: The Cinema Seekers, that's right.
0: <laughs> bang straight.
2: Dude, before we get started, um I think we've got like 13 new followers since the last episode. I don't know how much of that oh. is due to you um posting <laughs> on your page. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll be honest with you, Connor. After I posted on my page, all of my family i looked all of my family went on, and my girlfriend went on and followed us on instagram. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll tell you uh, my family's listening at least you know, <laughs> yeah, my little
2: sister is too she um yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I saw well, that as well, well With all like
2: the the coronavirus stuff going on she um she was going to the beach for a little while just to like lay out, and she said she was listening to the episode. she specifically said that um. When we were talking about X1, and we were talking about Senator Kelly like with the jelly stuff through, <laughs> through mm-hmm, the, uh, looking through for the prison breaks, dude, she said that she was cracking up from how we were talking about it, because I guess we were both laughing, and it just kept making her laugh really hard.
0: That's good. I love to hear good reactions like that. And if you guys have too. good
2: reactions like that,
0: please let us know on our Instagram, because we will truly yes, really yes, enjoy yes, yes. you guys. Are the whole reason we do this despite us just having fun doing it as well but you know connor we we watched this movie x-men apocalypse the oh yeah third film in the uh newer ish timeline i guess
1: yeah,
0: which, what, what do we call, call that it.
2: do we call it like the first class timeline
0: <laughs> i at this point we have to Uh, because
2: I was like, maybe uh, we
0: called it a different name, but because Brian Singer came back and did two of them, we can't really call it the Brian Singer trilogy or who else, whoever else trilogy because he also did the other. But I have to say, you know, this was a movie. And the first time watching it, I really loved it. There's a review to prove that. I'm pretty sure (laughs) I gave it a 9 out of 10 the first time I viewed it. And then I I watched it, I bought it on Black Friday one year, watched it, and completely disagreed with what I thought. And I don't think I've watched it since then. And I watched it today, Connor, and came out with a different view. And you know, I remember you, me, and Keon all went and saw this together for the first time. Mm -hmm. So we actually shared this X-Men experience. That's true. Which I don't remember a ton about. I just know we watched it and reviewed it and there's a review that exists pre-existing to <laughs> what we're about to say.
2: Yeah, and I think that there's something to be said about like just getting a group of friends together and going to the movies. Honestly, I think that that will always kind of add a little bit to the movie experience and make you have a better experience, usually. Um, so I think that might be part of the reason why we rated it so highly then and also i mean the franchise wasn't as tired at that point and uh we didn't have all of the you know all of the like avengers infinity war level movies at that point either so
0: well uh
2: (laughs) we had i mean we had avengers age of ultron
0: well actually this year Civil War came out only a few weeks before X-Men Apocalypse.
2: Did it come out before?
0: Yep, it came out. I actually wow. have it pulled up, which I'm just going to... I I made sure I had every movie that was important. Civil War was released Friday, May 6th, 2016.
2: Well, because I know that that one followed um, uh, Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. like not long mm-hmm. before Civil War. So I didn't, I didn't yeah, realize they came out before Because Batman v movie.
0: Superman came out in March. Okay, yeah. And then, uh, this movie we watched came out May 27th, 2016. So, just a few weeks difference there whenever these movies had came out, which is crazy to think.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, how did it had to do at the box office?
0: At the box office, my friend, this movie did. I'm gonna be honest, it made $543.9 million On a 178 million budget, Connor, it knocked it out of the park as far as making money.
2: That's pretty good. It made money
0: back and then some.
2: I I'm I'm comparing it to um, Days of Future Past, though, which made um, over seven, almost 800 million, I think, is what we said. So it did go down. Going down is maybe not the best sign, but I also think that uh, this one had a lower budget. I think you said that. So, okay, not bad then. You know, kind of a uh, you know on a little on the better side, I would say.
0: Definitely, definitely, and I, I should mention um, just this that I'm looking at these little stats that I have put up, so it has a forty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, making the film um, rotten, of course. However, <laughs> there are two other sources it has listed: IMDb. And then there's one that says Common Sense Media. IMDb has a, a 6.9 out of 10. And then Common Sense Media has a, a 4 out of 5. So, okay, it's like very, like, Rotten Tomatoes definitely didn't do good. But these other sites, you know, a 6.9 out of 10? Practically a 7? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: not terrible. And, you know, 4 out of 5, that's pretty freaking good so that's 90
2: percent yeah
0: <laughs> there's clearly people who have a love and affection for this movie
2: which oh, yeah, is definitely. you know
0: crazy I mean I know whenever I first saw it I especially had a love and affection for it which since then has I guess faded but you know that's saying what the people think that's what matters you know what the people think yeah that's true so like As far as all that stats, you know, it's not like it did terribly or anything. It's just reception by critics wasn't the best. But it seems like the audience almost got a little more enjoyment out of it than our critic people did.
2: Yeah, I I think that that pretty much sums it up. Like that makes sense of most of most superhero movies. And I would I would probably say most X-Men movies. I think you could probably look at any X-Men movie in this in this franchise and kind of see that the audience score was always higher than the uh, critics' score. Some of them more than others, for sure. Like, you'd start thinking about your uh, Origins Wolverine movies and stuff like that. But but I even think, on even on that one, I, I would imagine that the um, audience score was higher than the critic score.
0: Oh, yeah. Because yeah. uh, um, on the actual Rotten Tomatoes site, it has a tomato meter, which is the critics' was 47%. But the audience score was actually 65%. So, you know, it's definitely, definitely more of an audience-loved film than critics, as far as that stuff goes.
2: Yeah. All right, cool. So, you want to start talking about the cast? Because we had a lot of new members we, in this one.
0: We got quite a significant amount of new people. And I just want to start off. Straight up with our bad guy, our villain, who yeah. was played by Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac played Apocalypse. Now, yeah. I don't know if you know Oscar Isaac, Connor, but Oscar Isaac is actually the pilot in the new Star Wars trilogy by the name of Poe Dameron.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh in some other film, notable films, he was in a film called Ex Machina, yeah. And then he was also in another film called Sucker Punch. So this guy, you know, he's 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 been around some films and uh when in twenty fifteen Star Wars The Force Awakens came out and I instantly mm-hmm. fell in love with Oscar Isaac. I'm an Oscar Isaac fan through and through. Yeah. So when I saw he was gonna be Apocalypse Connor, I was ecstatic. I loved the fact that <laughs> I was gonna see an actor I loved portray a villain that me, personally, didn't know much about.
1: Right, yeah. And,
0: it, you know, that's a, that's a big talent right there. He is fourth listed on the cast list. So, clearly, they had to pay him some money to get him to uh, be Apocalypse.
2: I wonder, yeah, that's kind of interesting because, I mean, this wasn't a Disney movie, but uh, Star Wars was. So, mm-hmm. you'd think that'd be more likely in a Marvel an, an MCU film rather than mm-hmm. an X-Men box film. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I knew that he was in Ex Machina. I'm looking at a couple of his other stuff too. Um,
0: he's, he's in quite a bit. I don't know if you've ever seen um, the most, uh, I think it's like the most dreadful year or something like that. The most horrible year. It's It's got a funny name to it.
2: Um, he's also in a
0: movie that I actually enjoy. It's a little smaller film. It's called Inside Lewin Davis where he's a um uh, I guess you would say ah, oh, I can't think of the word right now, unfortunately. A folk singer. A folk singer.
1: Oh okay. and that's
0: a pretty good new movie. And the movie I was talking about before was um a most violent year. I and mean, then he's also oh, okay. I forgot, I actually just watched this movie. He's also in a movie called Drive with Ryan Gosling. He plays um like a gangster at one point in the film, but he's definitely uh, yeah. He's definitely you know he's had his films. Like if you look at the filmography, it's crazy how much. What was he's...
2: he doing in a Into the Spider Verse? Remember he was on um, Spider
0: Man twenty ninety nine. Oh, he was yeah. He was. Dude, you didn't know yeah. that.
2: <laughs> I I did. I forgot about that though. Oh okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. He was Spider
0: Man twenty ninety nine. That's why I'm so excited for the next one because it just it threw hopefully. me off
2: because on IMDb it has his his credit is interesting person number one. And I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who the heck is that? No, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't Spider-Man you don't 29. get Oscar Isaac to just pay to play like a a bystander. So I knew that it had to mm-hmm. be something else. But yeah, that, that makes sense. OK, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. he's Definitely got us a, a pretty good filmography going here for him. so. You know, that's yep. a, that was a big snag by whoever, the casting director. We have to thank him for that, or her for that, definitely.
2: Yeah, and I would... Well, I guess uh, while we're talking about the cast, we can kind of say, you know, what what overall would you think about his performance as Apocalypse?
0: Uh, unfortunately, God, this <laughs> is... This is where it let me down, especially watching it now, you know. It was really... I don't know if they were going for this or they told him to go for it, but it felt just really cheesy and not menacing at all. You know, I thought, you know, if you look at the comic book apocalypse, you usually know he's got this look to him where it's like that guy, that guy can do something. Uh, I don't know. They just, they didn't do a good job with him this time around uh, with Oscar Isaac. This is definitely one of the roles where He probably wants to forget about it, if if we're we're being honest. And then on top of that, his makeup didn't help. You know, we can't fault him for that. But definitely the makeup department, I definitely don't think did Apocalypse 100% good. (laughs) They definitely did their best as far as being able to keep Oscar Isaac as just a person instead of trying to make him a whole CGI character, which... I understand. Definitely trying to save on money, and also, I'm sure in the contract, Oscar Isaac had to be in person. I'm pretty sure Oscar Isaac didn't want to play any, right, like, sure. CGI'd character, so. Yeah, Oscar Isaac uh, didn't do it for me. Oscar Isaac didn't do it for me this time around, but what'd you think?
2: I, um, I didn't really have a problem with the makeup.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: I do think his performance was a little bit flat, but I don't know if that was his performance or not, or just the way the character was written. Because I mean, there were a couple scenes where like he did feel kind of menacing, and like I said, I don't I don't think the makeup looked horrible. I think the coloring was a little off. Like he looked a little bit like kind of gray, almost like Solomon Grundy mm-hmm. kind of. And whereas I I think it should have been a little bit more more vibrant, but I really don't like how short he is. <laughs> I almost mm-hmm. wish they would have gone with the c g i route or like you know how they did Thanos um which maybe they didn't have that technology motion that capture costs yeah. a lot more I, but
0: I can tell you right now they did have that stuff, but I just don't think they wanted to use it
2: well I, I don't know if they could afford it though is what i mean no i
0: I think they could afford it probably. okay. <laughs> I, they just
2: look it's like okay they they have the one scene where they're like apocalypse and Charles are doing the mind battle, and he grows really big, and I actually thought that was a very good scene, like that was probably one of one of the better scenes in the movie for me because it made apocalypse feel more menacing, but just when he's standing next to Magneto and Magneto's almost taller than him i'm I'm just kinda like, dude, you <laughs> You don't look menacing, and that's really uh-huh. kind of what got me about about um, the portrayal of Apocalypse here. So I, I do wish it was kind of a uh, motion capture type situation because, I mean, I'm directly comparing this to Thanos, but Josh Brolin is not really that tall, but he, of course, comes across as very menacing in his portrayal of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that they could have benefited from that in some way. I mean, you don't even really have to do motion capture maybe. You could have at least put a bigger effort on your your framing and your uh, perspectives, your shot perspectives because mm-hmm. there were a couple times where it was like a dialogue between him and another mutant and they were like every time it was showing apocalypse, they did kind of do that a little bit where they kind of had the camera tilted up towards Oscar Isaac's yeah, head,
0: the his perspective yeah, yeah yeah
2: but i i feel like they should have done that more and at least give him like some some uh heeled boots or something like that you know to give him a little bit extra height but i don't know that's it's it's kind of a nitpick i guess but but also kind of not because it it just really didn't he didn't feel menacing to me mm-hmm. you know he didn't really have a the presence that i wanted him to have but Oscar Isaac, you know, he's fine. Like, I don't think he's doing anything wrong in the role. I think more more than anything, it, it just comes across a little bit flat.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Aside from just being cheesy for me. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene that it's it definitely, I feel like, a nitpick, and I'll say it later, but it's a scene that pushed it way over the limit for me. And it made me laugh instead of cower like it should have. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that.
2: Was it the everything
0: they've built will fall? No, I I wrote it down.
2: You can save it if you want. Well, we can we can cover it when we get to nitpicks, but um, because there's a there's a bunch of other actors that I want to talk about too. Because I like, I think oh, all of the up. other notable actors, the new you know the new cast members were all um, students, I believe, or younger. Mutants. Yes,
0: they're all the. The mutants, yeah. And they're all fan-freaking-tastic, Connor.
2: Right. Yes. So we had... <laughs> we got Jean Grey, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Angel, Archangel, Storm. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could consider Jubilee, even though she doesn't really do anything. And I don't even know it if she's nothing. name-dropped. Like normal. <laughs> like every yeah. single
0: movie she has been Oh, and Psylocke. Either Psylocke. You, yeah, Psylocke, too. But Jubilee... Like, she's in most every X-Men movie, but she's always in the background. And in this one, they give her something to do, but it's nothing in the Well, end. she's like,
2: presumably just, in the background. I don't know if she's even ever credited, but it is like an Asian-American girl in the background I, of, of a lot of scenes. It's, a,
0: it's an Asian-American girl with a yellow jacket, just yeah. like this movie. <laughs> it's freaking crazy that they put her in most... in every time you see, like, the kids... You have seen her, but just never fleshed out.
2: Yeah, so you never like get to tr- see her powers either.
0: <laughs> they try to like be like, look, she's here. But it's just like you still didn't do anything with her, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's really weird that they did that. <laughs> I, but, I don't know. So uh, just going through these real quick. Jean Grey was probably the most notable out of all of them. Was played by yep. Sophie Turner
0: um Sounds in so this stark? movie
2: did you like her do i like her yes i like her
0: because she's also i don't know if you've ever seen it she's also in game of thrones and yeah, even I though that. i don't like her character in game of thrones i do like her in this movie In this setting. yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think she did pretty good in this movie i think um i think i, I like i kind of like her attitude in it i mean there's not like a whole lot i have to say about it it wasn't anything like groundbreaking mm-hmm. nor nor was any of them i i i do kind of have a preference for nightcrawler though um i think he was just i i loved his uh energy and his presence in the scenes and it's really Dude. just kind of the same reason as x2 but
0: Yeah mm-hmm. nightcrawler was amazing like i agree like he had some of the funniest moments in the film
2: he really is by yeah. his
0: reactions, because he's he, he not everything that happens in this movie is not normal for him yet. So right. Every time he sees this stuff, he's like, oh, my goodness, or he says something ridiculous. And it's just the best.
2: My, my favorite one was when um, they were it was like Mystique and Hank talking and they're like, you're not blue anymore. And then he comes in out of nowhere and goes, I'm blue. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that one caught me off and made me laugh really
0: hard. <laughs> and then Nicholas Holt was like,
2: oh, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> you smell like blue cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Nightcrawler, though, his is really the only one that that really makes sense, given the timeline change. <laughs> because most of these don't make sense at all. I'm just going to go oh, ahead and say life. that. <laughs> His actually could have happened, though. Like yeah. He could have been in that position in um in the original timeline. Not that exact okay. position, because time had changed, but a similar position, no doubt. Mm-hmm.
1: The one that yeah. gets
2: me the most is Archangel. How does he go from that... <laughs> To um Ben Foster in X three. <laughs> because he are he like Ben Foster when he played Archangel in uh in X-Men three was probably not that much older than Ben Hardy, which that's kinda weird that they're both named Ben um in mm-hmm. this movie. Let me see. Ben Hardy was born in nineteen ninety one, and I'm gonna look up uh Ben Foster really quick. And Ben Foster was born in 1980, so a decade difference. Not, but also, X3 took place in 2006, and this took place in uh 1983, so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I guess, I mean, you could, the age is not the biggest issue with it. It's really just more like his position in life, like, that doesn't make oh, sense at
0: He's a completely different person from...
2: 100% different. Like, it's like not like he's
0: Russian in this one. He's drinking the vodka when they first find <laughs> him. You know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a completely different person. He's getting like, the so,
2: metal wings.
0: Like, he's, he's like, get out. Or, get out of here. I don't want to see you. What'd you say? No, the question. <laughs> but yeah, he's a completely different human being in this one. So, I guess we have to kinda like discount the previous one
2: yeah that one was frustrating Unfortunately. Me. but i mean he's he's all right out of all of the new ones i i think i would say that nightcrawler was my favorite but i did i also really liked psylocke the little bit that she got i thought that mm-hmm. I, I wish they would have given us more of, of olivia munn as psylocke because i thought she was great in this movie and i wanted to see more of it i hope that i ha, don't say anything but i really hope that she comes back in dark Phoenix. Don't don't uh shatter my dreams.
1: <laughs> I won't.
0: I won't. Uh...
2: Cyclops though, uh, Ty Sheeran, he did pretty good. Oh, oh, I like Ty Sheeran.
0: Another good part. Another good addition.
2: And I was trying Definitely. to figure out what he was in, or me and Amanda when we were watching it. We were trying to figure out what he was in. Oh my god. And goodness, I'm looking at it now, and he's literally in Ready Player One, and that's literally what mm-hmm. I was thinking. I was trying also, to figure that out.
0: Also, Connor, you told me about this movie, I think.
2: Yes, I think I know what the you're Scout going to talk about. The Guide yes, the Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> That's it. One the kids. <laughs> that is such a funny movie, dude. <laughs>
0: it is the best,
2: like, funny It is movie. hilarious, man. <laughs> uh, I love that movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, I want to talk about that movie, but we're not here for that one. <laughs>
2: It's definitely funnier than this movie. Oh, yeah.
0: Definitely.
1: <laughs>
2: but, yeah, I think uh, Ty Sheeran does a pretty good job. I-, I can definitely see him as a young Cyclops, for sure. Uh-huh. Just like I can with Sophie Turner for Jean Grey. I mean, really, really all cool. of them, they they do fit as a teenager version of themselves. That's honestly uh-huh. one of my more uh, endearing parts to me of this film is them as teenagers. You get to see yeah. like who you already saw as adults but in their teenage years, and I just think that's kind of fun. Oh, and um, sorry, I didn't talk about Storm Alexandria Ship. I don't mm-hmm. know what else she's in. Straight out of Compton.
0: Oh, she's in Love Simon. Hmm. Okay, cool. She's in Shaft. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't really get a whole lot of her. I thought that what she was given, she did a decent job on. Um, it. I don't see how she turns into Halle Berry though. <laughs>
1: Oh, no,
0: not at all. It doesn't really make sense, but, you know. Does, <laughs> but, does yeah, I any, thought she was fine. Uh, does continuity yeah. make sense anymore?
2: Nope. And then, of course, you've got your you know your mainstays. You've got your James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence. They're all pretty good. They're doing about their same thing. Michael Fassbender gets some, some gut-wrenching scenes. Um, Rose Byrne comes back as Moira McTaggart. That was kind of mm-hmm. weird. Like, where was she for the past... 20 years
0: yep and i have a gripe to pick with that later
2: okay we'll get to that and then lucas till again as havoc
0: and also we got evan peters back as quick oh yeah yeah gosh i did thank it again The lord. <laughs> <laughs> thank the lord yes got him uh, back.
2: easily like he seals the show again well, again like such no such doubt. a breath of fresh air man
0: And he also gets a little more character development in this one, too, which was an added bonus. We don't just get him back to do another cool scene. We get him back to have character and have progress in this film.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely a welcome addition.
2: So is that all on cast? I think I pretty much... That's it? Okay, there is one more, actually.
0: One more. (laughs) What's the last one called?
2: Mr. Uh, Caliban himself.
0: Oh, my goodness. And we get to see him later, too.
2: Yeah, because he's in Logan. but he's in Logan. In Logan, he's played by um, by Stephen Merchant, the uh-huh. tall British dude. And in this one, I'm trying to find him. I can't.
0: His name is Thomas, and I'm Marcus. I have him right here for you.
2: Okay. He
0: looks like a snake, Connor. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe this human being. He really looks like like a lizard person. Like, (laughs) I don't know if you've heard the the strange theory that humans have that we're invaded by lizard people, but he literally looks like (laughs) the definition of a lizard person. Connor, he has no eyebrows. Like, what the heck? What is up with this guy?
2: You know, if his nose wasn't so big, he'd be a really good Voldemort.
0: Probably, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's just definitely... I like guess it, it's cool that, you know, whenever you hear his name, it's like, oh, he's, he's in the later film, but it definitely, yeah. definitely took two different Caliban approaches. Caliban
2: knows. Well, it doesn't make sense, though, at all, because Caliban in that movie seems to be, unless there's something with his powers where he's, um, he doesn't really age, but he seems to be about the same age in twenty nine twenty twenty nine 2029 Logan as he does in 1983 Apocalypse.
1: <laughs> hmm
2: so, and that's that's multiple decades, many decades. Many decades, gone. I totally thought he was going to die in his scene, too. I was waiting for it to happen, and it didn't happen, but I don't
0: know. Yeah, just a, a real quick thing. We also got Josh Hellman back as William Stryker.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, 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 that's right. Mm-hmm.
0: Even for the, the third Mazzai. Striker. And I guess since we're mentioning Stryker, we should mention Hugh Jackman.
2: Oh, it's an appearance
0: yes. in this one. And definitely one of the best cameos they could have done.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I think agree. we all expected this one, kind of. We just didn't know what capacity it was going to be in. And they definitely yeah. did it in the best way possible.
2: Yeah, and I... See, I I definitely thought this time around that it was a little bit more contrived just kind of because I had already watched it for the first time and that like that first uh, surprise factor kind of had worn off from the first time I watched it. So this time I knew it was coming. I still enjoyed the scene, don't get me wrong. like I love me some Hugh Jackman and I love it when he goes berserk. But the way they got to it did feel a little bit contrived to me. And we'll talk more on that later. But I, we'll I, talk
0: more on that later.
2: I'm glad that he was able to make an appearance in this film. Mm -hmm. um yeah and then real quick stan lee also cameoed in this movie and his his cameos in the x-men movies are so inconsistent Mm -hmm. because as we know he cameoed in x-men 1 as the hot dog vendor i don't Mm -hmm. think he even appears in x2 at all
1: Mm -hmm.
2: x-men 3 he's the dude with the water hose Mm -hmm. um he is not in first class. He's not in Days of Future Past. But he is in this one for a brief moment. So I don't know how they like determined when he's going to do a cameo in the X-Men movies. I,
0: <clears throat> I can tell you this. Um, from what I know about Stan Lee, is whenever he first started doing cameos, he really wanted speaking roles. And uh-huh. I almost feel like Fox didn't want to do that. So I kind of think that's why you don't see him because they couldn't work it out. And in the ones you do see him in, they were fortunately able to be like, can you do this? He said, yes. And they probably asked him to do something like that again. He said, no. Next time around he said, yes. And then that was the last yes for a few movies. And then he finally said yes to this movie again, because he probably just, He really wanted to put his stamp at some point. So that's that's what I know, my small little knowledge of that. I don't know what really went on behind the scenes, but I know Stanley really wanted a speaking role in his cameos and in some Marvel Disney movies. He gets that. You never really see that in the Fox movies.
2: No, yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. But, hmm, yeah, that's probably why. So now that we've got the cast out of the way, um. I guess we can go ahead and jump in our points
0: do you want to go first Connor like, I only have four if I'm being honest
2: I feel bad because I feel like my points this time around are mostly negative and it, I mean there's definitely going to be more negatives in this movie because I don't like it as much as the other ones but I still enjoyed it like I still had a good time mm-hmm. watching it so I, I don't want to come across like I'm just hating on this movie yeah but yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna go with go with my points. So, my first one, and it started immediately in the movie, and doesn't let up until the very end of the movie. Freddy, it's your uh, disregard for human life because <laughs> there are so many deaths in this movie. It is unrealistically so. Like there, there's more than X three. There is way more deaths in this movie than X Men three: The Last Stand. <laughs> yep, definitely. And it's literally from the very first scene when they're in Egypt because, like, everyone in the tomb dies, in, like, almost mm-hmm. instantly. And they're getting, like, crushed, man. They're, like, one dude gets turned into a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. It's And a
0: insane, bunch of dudes man. get, like, set on fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: <laughs> and then all of Pretty them... Bad. If they didn't get killed in those brutal ways, they got crushed by bricks, like mm-hmm. giant pyramid bricks. <laughs> but uh yeah, that was just, I guess that, that kind of is more of a nitpick, but I don't know if, like, I don't know. I just, it was the first one on my thing, and, and I really wanted no, to make Connor, sure to talked about it. But. <laughs> you are right.
0: There is just no regard for life <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. And it it really, really doesn't let up, and it's all surrounded by apocalypse and for a moment it becomes wolverine who has no regard for human life which i'll say that that's
2: the only one that's forgivable (laughs) yeah but
0: then immediately after we see wolverine kill right back to apocalypse just destroying cities again
2: dude he okay and that's another thing that i kind of wanted to talk on was literally the city of cairo is just gone not only Mm -hmm. that but auschwitz gone half of freaking Manhattan it looked like is gone how do they rebuild after that do not know (laughs) there was so much destruction in this movie Mm -hmm. and I get that that was like his plan was to tear everything down and rebuild it the way he wanted to but at a point like you know that that's not gonna actually come to fruition and the people who live in this world have to somehow rebuild Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I don't know. It could have been interesting, I guess, if you showed like the the aftermath of the destru- destruction or something like that. But I doubt that that happens in Dark Phoenix, and it's probably never going to happen because this franchise is over now.
0: Mm-hmm. But but yeah, that's definitely believe it or not, definitely ties into one of my points I I put again with the super destruction because yep. I don't know I I just I would really like to ask Brian Singer what made you decide to go with that decision that Brett Ratner had gone with.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because we had seen from the um, X-Men 1 and X-Men 2, and even Days of Future Past, that his his level of destruction, aside from it the football contained. stadium, but yeah, mostly it was contained, and he had like these closer fight scenes and stuff like that, and it felt a little bit more raw. But this one, yeah, just CGI fest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but even in Days of Future Past, when Magneto lifts that stadium up, you know he still that still keeps it contained within the stadium. Like it doesn't like go outside of that. Like we see the cop cars kind of like
2: come to a halt and almost get
0: crushed, but
2: but they didn't even die.
0: Exactly, it was still contained within that. You know the the stadium, the ring of the stadium. And it's like, they say for the first two, let's keep action contained, and for the third one, it's gonna be our finale, and we have to go all out. Because X3 did it, and it's like they just repeated history, for some reason. I it's, know. And this time around, Brian Singer did it, and it's like, wait, no, you're, you were so good at containing this action and making it not just destroy everything on a yeah, terrible exactly. level he but he went uh, he took some advice from someone and they said yeah you have to do that and he said okay here we go and, and it's just it again takes a. it's not like this movie is entirely that you know it has its no yeah, smaller it's... set piece moments but whatever it does the destruction it makes oh, it man. so big it it. and ferocious <laughs> That is like, it almost takes away from the smaller moment. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Did you have to do that?
2: And it's so I... funny because, like, even the, um, the script itself kind of makes fun of this being the third movie. Mm-hmm. Because that one line that Gene's like, well, at least we always know the third one's the worst when they're talking about uh, the Star Wars movies. Because they had just mm-hmm. gone to see The Return of the Jedi
0: Yep, it's one of my favorite parts.
2: Yeah, that that was a, a nice little nod. But, it's, it's but they make fun of it there, and they're exactly. literally doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, you can't make fun of a trope, but be a part of that trope at the same time. It's like, <laughs> I
1: know. You're
0: contradicting yourself within the film you're making. And it really makes me wonder, did Brian Singer know that this – was he – Doing it this to his own film because the studio got way too involved with this one? <laughs> or did he just wanna like have people laugh and it not really be that funny?
1: Right, yeah.
0: That's it's, it's a disappointing thing. It's like ah you he's so good at doing action where it's contained. It's a little disappointing to watch him come to Apocalypse and just make it out of the world massive and ferocious. Where it's so unnecessary because we know he can do it so much better than what he sho- what he showed in this movie,
2: yeah, and I don't know like how you would do it differently with it being apocalypse because he is this like apocalypse is like this bigger than life character. I almost feel like it shouldn't have been apocalypse at least for this movie. I feel like um Apocalypse would have been better suited maybe for Dark Phoenix maybe. Dark Phoenix would have been a better match, Um, which, of course, they kind of end up doing that at the end of this anyway. But the point is, I feel like they shouldn't have gone all out with it. And a way to to have done that would have been to go with a different villain, I think. Honestly, I think that's Mm -hmm. what it comes down to, because I think that with Apocalypse, you have to kind of go a little crazy. Like that's his whole MO is he wants to be worshipped as a god. And so he is, which honestly, what is his motivation here? Is he just mad that no one is worshiping him? I mean, you've been asleep for thousands of years.
1: Yep, that's it.
0: <laughs> that's it. He just wants, he wants the world to he worship just wants him, attention. him again. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not a, like a a noble cause or anything. It's just screw everyone and everyone focus on me again. And he See? really doesn't care about anyone whenever he does that. like, And it shows that because like when he first tells Storm that he wants to rebuild the world, he first says he wants to like destroy the world. And then yeah. she asks, well, what did you say? And he's like, oh, I want to save the world. And of course that gets her yeah. on because she thinks, oh, he's going to help the world, which we she finds out later that no he just Not true. wants everything dead and his way
2: but see like it's almost like they were going in a good direction at one point because and this is this is kind of another one of my points so I'll just I'll just bring it in now but it's it's really kind of I was trying to get at the theme of this movie and at first I was wondering I was asking if the theme is supposed to be about fatherhood because Multiple times, Apocalypse is like, ah, yes, my child. Like, I am your father. You are my children. You are all my children. All mutants are my children. And um, that kind of made me think, like, okay, is, are they trying to get, like, this is kind of a twisted way to show fatherhood? But then I think as the film wraps up at the end, I think they're more going for, like, the theme of family, which still kind of works. I just wish they would have gone a little bit more into that side of Apocalypse, because I think it could have been a lot more interesting as a juxtaposition to the actual family that the X-Men have with each other. And even, in some cases, like with Quicksilver and Magneto, the familial blood bond. So I really do think that if they had leaned a little bit more into that with Apocalypse's character, I think it could have paid off in big ways.
0: Here's the thing about that, though. I... I think they didn't do that because every time Magneto was the bad guy in previous films, he would always say brother or sister. And I think they didn't want Apocalypse to seem almost the same as um, Magneto in the way Magneto did things. Now I know the way Magneto did things was a lot better because he definitely saw Mutant as one, and I feel like Apocalypse mostly saw his four horsemen as his one, and everyone else was against him. Even though at some points, he does, you know, call mutants he doesn't know, brother, son, or sister, or anything like that. But I feel like that's, that's why they didn't do that. Because they didn't want him to be like, oh, it's just Magneto in a different skin. I don't know. That's, that's how I kind of see it.
2: I don't know. I, I kind of disagree because I don't think that it would have been the same. The way that I'm thinking of it. and Because I'm trying to extrapolate. I'm trying to add more to the movie that wasn't there, of course. But <laughs> um, I'm strictly going based off of how he makes a big deal that he is like their father or their father figure. And so I think it could have been interesting to make him more of like a sadistic dad in a way. Um, just as like a really, really stark um, comparison to like what family family should actually be. Not so much as like a brother, sister, like we're all kind of equal thing, but like an, he's an authoritative, basically D-bag.
0: Yeah, I can definitely uh, see that. I don't know man. They really didn't I feel like they just didn't know how to flesh him out. And yeah. maybe the people who worked on this film, you know, they weren't comic book readers. That's always the biggest thing. You know, they right. they probably looked at the book, saw Apocalypse, and were like, "That's a good villain. We should we should use him because we've just we've always either used Magneto or these Sentinels." And I feel like this time they were just trying to do something different and didn't work for us, unfortunately.
2: I know, and it was such a good opportunity for something new. I was like, and I was excited for this movie when we.
0: On top of that, they had Oscar Isaac to it. So, I'm sure yeah. they gave a lot of people hope for it. And I think,
1: yeah.
0: I think this could go into one of my points, to be honest, because one of my points, movie says what we said earlier. I actually wrote it down. It said Apocalypse was very one note and cheesy and that's (laughs) you know it that's a big problem with the film that's not a nitpick like a pretty big problem with the film if your bad guy is if your bad guy's bad it can potentially ruin the movie and (laughs) i can i going back to like the scene where it made me laugh instead of like cower
2: oh yes i want to know
0: so when apocalypse is uh He's going around and being the horseman. They go to Angel. And when he's like making Angel, he goes,
1: yes.
0: It made me laugh. I was like, is this making you horny or something? Like, does this turn you on when you make these people new? And it was just like, I couldn't believe. That they let him <laughs> say it like that, and I just—that's—that's that's the thing. Like, uh, I know it probably wasn't Oscar Isaac's fault because it was probably how Oscar Isaac was told to do it, which is the worst thing that yeah. you know he had to do.
1: Was and that Apocalypse after Kido, he
2: gave him the metal wings? Or like during. No, it was
0: during. It was during. during, Connor. He was like, it was very sexual when it really wasn't. Like, and that was like
2: a, a pretty brutal scene for Archangel too, because he was mm-hmm. like...
0: And it made me laugh, Connor. Like, I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be laughing. And I was laughing at it. <laughs> because I, just, I didn't take it seriously. And that's like what I mean when mm. I say, you know, Apocalypse was kind of cheesy because he would say things and it would be like are they going for a cheesy 80s movie at this point was that it was that is that what we're missing here are we judging this movie too harshly should we really be looking at this film as a cheesy 80s film with a villain that's one note and just doesn't have too much of a agenda to do i That's the thing, you know, it it really, it really sucks when you watch this film and you see you have Oscar Isaac playing someone who should be menacing and terrible. But at the same time, he just wasn't given great direction or he did things and they just didn't know how to fix it. And they also another weird thing about Apocalypse is they kept like changing his voice.
2: His voice oh, yeah, his I noticed face. that. His it was like the kept... evil voice underneath his Oscar Isaac voice.
0: It was, and they kept taking it away and giving it back. And then they would take it away and give him a kind of different one, but then they would take it away. It, it was really weird how they how they did him in his yeah, voice.
2: that was really weird.
0: So, yeah, Apocalypse, you know... It was a really big fault with this movie. And when you have a film called X-Men Apocalypse, you'd really expect a lot more and a lot better from this villain. So, yeah, that's that's just one of the many... That's the biggest upsetting thing to me. They didn't... I feel like they didn't do Apocalypse justice like we could have gotten.
2: We'll see, and another thing is... Um, and this is another one of my points, but it ties in really well. I think another reason that apocalypse doesn't really feel that much present in this movie is because of the plot. There's some serious plot issues in this movie because things just happen, Freddy. Like it's just coincidence. Um, the like the main reason that apocalypse is even alive is because a rug just happened to be pushed over on accident that wasn't intended. And it shone on the pyramid and, you know, re resurrected or awoke apocalypse. Like that was an accident. And there's other accidents in the movie. The other one that's really bad for me is the fact that, um, Charles communicates with Magneto and, Apocalypse just so happens to be like, oh, this is the answer. This is what I need. I need Cerebro to connect to everyone and send nukes in the air. And I was like, ah, like just it's it's so frustrating because that's not how you do plot. Nothing moves the plot forward except for coincidence. And I was really frustrated by that. And so I think that's another reason that Apocalypse really kind of came off as you know, not as menacing, not as present as he should have been. Do you agree with that?
0: Connor, I 100% agree with you. Because, in fact, I actually wrote down, because I forgot her name again, I wrote, Agent Lady's Fault, <laughs> Apocalypse is rid- Risen. And I forgot her name was Mordorah. Again, I she's just not yeah. memorable. And, like, <laughs> it's such a coincidence, just because... She happened to be there to knock the guy out and move the rug. Apocalypse came back. It is all her fault Apocalypse comes back. I know. and It
1: is. No one
0: addresses that. She doesn't tell anybody that it was her (laughs) fault. Like, if she would have mentioned, well, I accidentally left this rug up and this guy (laughs) came back. Like, it's your fault, lady. This is all your fault. You killed all these people. This is on you.
2: Yeah, there is so much death and destruction in this movie, and it's all Moira Taggart's fault. It
0: boils down to this stupid, minute detail that she just so happened to leave the rug up.
2: It is is so dumb that that's the way that he comes back, because how long was he going to be sleeping? Like, (laughs) I just don't understand. And the other thing that was super weird about that was the the f- like the cult following that like thought that apocalypse or el uh what was it el Shabbat, en sabah nur something like that that was his human name i think in the comics in mm-hmm. shaba nur anyway this cult following what were they expecting like how long had they been doing this for because clearly nothing had happened <laughs>
0: And then when something happens it wipes the entire cult out, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Connor. They yeah, don't matter. Uh,
1: they get killed instantly. I,
2: I know. <laughs> I don't understand why what the what their purpose was. I mean obviously I understand what their purpose in, to get the plot forward was, but like I just don't like I don't know why they would have been doing this for who knows how long and nothing happened because this literally happened I don't know if you caught the date, but thirty six hundred BC. That's Three thousand six hundred years plus two thousand years, give or take a year. Um, so fifty six hundred years have gone by. Have have there has there always been a cult doing this, and nothing has ever happened for fifty six hundred years? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just don't understand.
0: <laughs> the only explanation we get is that there were cults that worshipped him. That's it. Yeah, and we don't know how recent or how old, far back they go. Whenever Moira is showing the like the book. Of, it has all this information in it it seems like it recently started happening in the 70s and 80s and the 80s have only been going on for barely three years at this point so i yeah. i don't know man it's...
2: well and see the only the only explanation i could give based on that fact that it was it was in the 70s and 80s oh. is that that's pretty much when mutants were introduced so maybe they were just there was like a resurgence and they were kind of like oh remember this you know this uh apparently the first mutant ever tales that we used to tell our kids in Egypt, maybe he's still a thing. Let's start this cult back up. So maybe that the fact that mutants were re were kind of introduced to the world kind of jump started it a little more, I guess. It's yeah, the only they, thing I can think of. They
0: clearly from... didn't know that much because they didn't know that if they directed sunlight to that, the diamond thing, right, it would yeah. bring them back. <laughs> and another thing about that yeah. diamond thing is like, so it, the sun shines on it. And then the the light goes through it, produces this gold liquid almost, and it somehow is able to just be transferred through the rubble and rocks. Like, wait, what? I thought there was a specific pattern it had to be in order for this to work, but no, it can just grow through rocks and go to him.
2: That's true. Not explained. Maybe it just hit like the very tip of it, or like uh, one tiny section, and just grew rapidly. I, I don't know. Yeah,
0: it it's not really explained.
2: Yeah, you're right.
0: Well, Connor, since we've been kind of harping on this a little bit, I am going to take it to a different <clears throat> tone, and one of my main points is that this movie is not as bad as it's made out to be, i want to be honest. Because, like, I was watching it, and I was like, when does it get bad? Like, where's the bad part of this film? Mm-hmm. The end, for me, was a little much. I was like, okay, I can see. This is kind of the part where it's kind of like, eh, uh, what are we doing here? But, you know, it, it has some good world-building and character-building in it, it's just, it ends on such a crappy note with that big fight. And then after the big fight, it gives you a little more good. So I have to say, it's not as, I don't know for how how you felt, but for me, this film wasn't as bad as I had at one point made it out to be. I, I definitely wouldn't call this movie a pile of crap, but it's definitely not like amazing at the same time like i don't know how do you feel about that after rewatching it since you've seen it in the theater
2: yeah i i'll say um i agree and since i didn't say this earlier this is only the second time that i've watched this movie the first time was in theaters with freddie and keon our other friend and uh at that point i really love this movie i haven't watched the review that we did on it for a really long time. So I'll be interested to see how much I liked it at that point. And it's definitely, it's gone down from then, but right before watching this movie and leading up to it for doing this podcast episode, I was really nervous that this was going to be like a pile of dog doo-doo. Like I was I was prepared for, for X-Men The Last Stand level badness, and it wasn't that bad at all like it's this definitely ranks higher than X-Men the last stand for me. And I think what one of the things that does make it really good for me is the um the young cast members and I loved seeing the camaraderie of the X-Men just kind of as kids as teenagers rather than adults. I thought that was a really interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. And it's something I it, it was. It almost had like a. It was almost reminiscent of X Men First Class, which was one of my favorite parts about that too. Was, you know, kind of just how um, how well they were getting along, and those were some of the funner, the more fun scenes in that movie. And I think that that's kind of true here as well. Just kind of seeing them all interact, and even like, I mean, the, the plot is mm. not great in this movie. I'll totally be honest about that. I don't think the plot works at all. Um, I think there's better ways that they could have handled that. But, um, character-wise, I think it's pretty good. So, yeah, I agree with you.
0: Yeah, so, um, there you go. Like, I feel like if you, like, avidly hate on this film, and you haven't watched it since it came out, or at least a good few years, give it a watch and watch it a little more open-minded. And, you know, don't, like, I'm sure there are going to be things that tick you off, like, There are things that definitely got me, especially having watched all of the X-Men films, including Dark Phoenix. I'll tell you, Connor, if you watch Dark Phoenix, it's gonna, when you watch it, it's gonna add some things that you don't like about this film. (laughs) I'll tell you that immediately. Uh, Oh man.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the one that I'm really mm, nervous about.
0: Yeah, but besides that, it's just, the plot's not great, but the character moments, really save this movie and really keep you invested. Like I'll, that's one thing I can say, like me and my girlfriend watched this film and we, we laughed throughout out it because of a lot of the character moments, which is like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. that kind of saves the film to a degree, not fully, unfortunately, but it definitely saves it from being a complete top pile of dog crap, I should say.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. And um like I I know that this is kind of one of my points, so I'm going to try to transition into it. Um is the Wolverine scene, the um Weapon X scene rather. But when Jean Grey, well actually even leading up to that scene where um the kids are working using their powers to infiltrate onto the helicopter and then they basically get a free ride to Alkali Lake. I thought that was all really well set up and I liked the character interactions. I liked them showing how to use, how they use their powers. Like Jean Grey, just being able to make soldiers not be able to see them was Mm -hmm. pretty cool. And then um, when it kind of culminates in that scene is when, um, of course, when Hugh Jackman breaks out and goes crazy as Wolverine, But you have actually kind of a nice moment with Jean Grey and Wolverine. If you can kind of get past the fact that it is a little bit weird because (laughs) she's a teenager and he's like in his 50s. But aside from that, like it actually was kind of interesting uh, how she kind of gave him some Uh peace uh, in that way. I I thought it was kind of interesting. There's another like interesting character moment, and this like this is you know this leads mm-hmm. somewhere. You just don't know where we,
0: yet. We never find out where.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, it's implied, I guess. But yeah, you're right. You're right. I almost wonder if they were trying to like make it like, oh, this is actually you know like it in the in the first trilogy like you even you even had this point it didn't really make sense that wolverine just randomly was in love with jean gray but maybe they were trying to address that in a way and be like oh it's actually this like jean gray he he in deep down kind of remembers this interaction with her <laughs> i don't yeah, know but if they were the going problem with that, that, that
0: not, is it's but... <laughs> supposed to be like an entirely different timeline
2: that's oh yeah, I know, problem, I know. I'm but, just like, saying, like, you they right. ever if, went back to it later, if they
0: had not changed the timeline, that would totally make sense and fix that problem. However,
2: yeah, it's still. However,
0: this being a completely new timeline, it definitely screws that up. And even in that scene, there's a pretty good <laughs> moment where um I even wrote the line down. Scott Summers says hope that's the last we've seen of that guy. And of
1: course,
2: we all
0: know he's going to come back later and annoy the crap out of Scott Summers. So I thought that was a really nice touch.
2: See, in that, talking about that really does kind of bring up another issue. It's not really an issue with this movie per se, but more like the franchise as a whole. I get the sense that... There were some people within Fox that didn't want to change the timeline and then there were some who did. And so there's kind of like a, a conflict because it feels like they're trying to to use these movies to get back to the point that the X-Men were at in X-Men 1, 2 that you know from 2000. But at the same time they're also like, "Oh, well, you know, X-Men 3 sucked." X-Men Origins sucked. This is completely different. And so they're trying to do something new. So it just feels like you can't have both. And that is kind of a frustrating thing for me because I wish they would have just gone full into the, you know, let's do something new and let's do it right.
0: Yeah, they definitely kind of lean on the old X-Men movies, which the whole point of the last film was to completely eradicate that and make so they had new yeah. material to work with um see the thing about that is like who was the person was brian singer wanting to go back or something because brian singer directed the last movie and that whole last movie essentially erased that so i almost think it was not brian singer like there's no way brian singer could have been the one who was like let's make this thread connect and that thread connect i almost feel like it had to been the writer of the film or someone
1: yeah which is
0: crazy to think it's like well he wrote the last film but maybe they were bumping heads and like they wanted to you know make this (laughs) i don't know what they wanted it because this movie is just so confusing and then if you see dark phoenix this film is even more confusing and connor i'm not i am kind of scared because after I watched this movie, and knowing what I know about the next movie, it really ticks me off This movie really ticks me off because it <laughs> just there's some things, and i I can't go into detail at all, and I can't that's i that's I why I can't wait for dark Phoenix talk next week because we're definitely gonna get into oh, yeah. it and you're gonna hear everything oh, like yeah that. we're we're getting see here's it. the thing I wrote stuff down about Jean Gray. And I don't want to say it right now because very yeah, potential spoilery. Yeah. So like next week when we
2: well when and we I, do,
0: do Dark Phoenix, I'm ha- gonna have to yeah. go back to Apocalypse and read this crap.
2: Like I, I kind of have a hunch of what it has to do with. I'm don't don't confirm or nor deny this, but it's probably something to do with how they pretty much do Dark Phoenix at the end of this movie. And it's kind of like a cop out to finish the movie. I didn't I don't mind that they did that as a as a means to like I'll just talk about it in the context of this movie. I don't mind that they did the dark Phoenix thing as a means to defeat Apocalypse and then also set her on a darker path like because now that she's kind of tapped into that. But I can imagine there's going to be some continuity issues from that to Dark Phoenix. You don't have to confirm that nor deny it. We'll figure out next week if I'm right. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know, man. I'm keep
0: my mouth shut because I'm going to say something, and I'm you're going to be like, "You're foe. I'm like, "Yes, I am foe because I open my mouth. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut for now, the time yeah. being. But yeah, as far as like how they were trying to like do continuity. It's like there's two people just clashing and like, no, we need to bring back the old. And someone's like, well, we have all this new stuff we want to do, but someone's still like old, old. And someone's like, new, no, new, no. And it's, it's clashing. And this movie is, it's so apparent in this film. And I don't know who wanted it, which way that's the thing. And I don't think we're ever going to know who wanted it, which way. That's one of those things that's so behind the scenes. Yeah. We're never gonna hear, and unfortunately, unless it's thirty years down the line and Brian Singer is done making movies and he's like, "Screw it, I am gonna tell all," and he comes out with the book saying, "Yada yada yadda.
2: Uh. <laughs> one of the other things about that that's really frustrating to me it's it's actually something that um one of the things that Nando mentioned in his video about um days of future past which if you're listening go and listen to that or go and watch that video it's a pretty good one and he's coming out with another uh two that like a sequel to that mm-hmm. but he talks about he mentions this specifically that fox is obsessed with their own continuity yet they're constantly introducing continuity errors it's like they're obsessed with getting it right and making these things connect but then they just add five other things in there to ruin it. So it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, instead of going forward, they're going five steps backwards. Like, yeah. Because it's like the last movie took a step forward, and this one brought it five steps backwards. Like, it's like, no, you just did something great, and then you pooped on it. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. It's Again, yeah. the classics hang continuity is written over their mantle somewhere or was written hopefully <laughs> let's just pray to god it doesn't stay with disney Fox. oh disney. no because imagine yeah, that they, like that's the they, need a, they, they need to
2: auction they need to auction off that mantle i'll i'll uh i'll bid on it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i would pay three dollars for that most I don't care if it's platinum gold. No, I'm not paying more than three dollars for that ridiculous thing they had somewhere in their offices. Like, I'm sure it exists. Like, this has to exist because of how the how the X Men films have gone. Like, there's no way. And like, it's like even the Deadpool films introduce such big errors. It's like, well, when does Deadpool happen? And Well
2: yeah, uh, but I think even with the Deadpool films, that's more of like they're making fun of the continuity anyway, so I, you yep, can kinda sure. get away with it there. <laughs>
1: so,
2: but go. yeah, you're right, you're right. You're yeah, it's there's there's the further we get into this, which is only one more, uh in this little in the first class franchise mm-hmm. series. <sighs> but the the further you get into it, the more frustrating it gets.
0: Yeah, I would feel bad for like, like one day we're gonna have children and we're gonna have to explain that they have this continuity they set up, but they never follow through on a lot of things. So you just have to get past that. And our kids are just gonna be like, "But what about this?" They said, "Screw that!" At some point. Well, what about that? Ah, who cares? You know, (laughs) like we're we're not gonna have any solid explanation for why these movies continuity is so like jacked up
2: yeah you're right and just because i mentioned the uh striker scene with wolverine i did want to kind of touch back on go back to that real really quick because i it's one of my points is it's just the the scene in general go ahead what were you gonna say
0: it's i I was just gonna say it's kind of part of my next point as well okay I, I, I'll just say my next point. I wrote so many odd choices made because there were kind of some odd choices made with this film and you actually discussed it how it was like convenience with a lot of the things. Yeah. That's, those were the odd choices we already talked about and you're about to talk about the scene that is the oddest choice of them all. Like why does this thing yeah. exist first of all?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what your perspective is on it. Mine uh, is...
0: I'll let you go ahead first.
2: So, it seems like the only reason they take an excursion to Alkali Lake is for fan service, to show Wolverine. and they like They needed a way to get the Hugh Jackman cameo in this movie. I don't know why it had to be that way, though. Like, see, I'm... As far as ways to get Wolverine in it, I mean, I I appreciated it. I did. I really did. I loved seeing Hugh Jackman, and I I thought, I mean, obviously it makes sense how they got him there. He would have been in the Weapon X program around that time in the early 80s. I think that's even when um, Origins takes place is around that time. But it doesn't service the plot in any way. It just takes them away from the plot. And they use Stryker as a means to do that. So, like, what I don't understand is right before that happens, um, Apocalypse connects with everyone and sends a million nukes in the air, and then, freaking, two minutes later, Stryker is already on it. How? How are you this fast? Your response time is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Let
0: alone in that kind of helicopter.
2: Oh, there's nukes in the air. Call Stryker. He needs to get there fast. <laughs> uh, and it's like, at least we could have gotten, it It literally takes the time to show you like the president's office or the cabinet or whatever it is. It literally takes the time to show that panel of people. Not one of them, like it could have devoted two seconds for someone picking up the phone and being like, uh, striker, we need you to get here now. You know, they could have at least done that to tie it in a little bit better. It just feels so disconnected though. It's just like, oh, we gotta have Wolverine. That means we gotta have Stryker because he's in Weapon X right now. Let's send him over here and do this. I mean, when you're like, the cool things happen along that scene. Like I already said, I liked the kids being there and I liked their interactions. And of course, I really liked the Wolverine thing. But the the downside to it is it just doesn't do anything for the plot. I don't know about you though. What's your perspective on that,
0: Connor? You hit it like right on the money. And like something that happens in that scene is like. So the kids are there and like they're there for a good amount of time and like gene gray is like projecting themselves invisible but then all of a sudden the first security guard sees them and then the guy who's watching the cameras is like hey there's kids here you couldn't have said that five minutes earlier <laughs> like it took you that long to notice are you blind like oh my god introduce." A stupid thing that happened it's like the kids would have been noticed way earlier because this is a high secure security base and like you're exactly. right if we took this entire scene out of the film it would keep the flow going the only thing we would have a question about is how they got the jet and they literally could they could just be like oh we have another jet at the home base and yeah, it, would fine. It, yeah. it would make
2: as much sense. It
0: would make just as much sense as them being in that base and getting the new jet. Like it, it didn't make any sense either. It's like, oh, Stryker comes and like Mystique is scared all of a sudden. Like she, she must know him somehow. But the last time we saw Striker, it was Mystique, and so the last film totally Ugh. leads you to think. <laughs> oh, and M- Mystique must have got him out of the Weapon X program. I guess nope. not. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> I guess you said screw it. We don't care. Continuity, schmuttinity.
2: Dude, and I miss- kept waiting for I kept waiting for Stryker to be like, "You little Miss Mystique impersonating me last time we met," or something like that. But he doesn't even do that. He, he doesn't cares. even say anything he about even it. not care. Whose he just- choice was that to put that in Days of Future Past? Please tell me now. If you know, please. Whoever, I need to know.
0: Whoever it was must have been the person who organized this scene. Like had to have been.
2: But it's and it's not the same though. <laughs> it's completely different from Days of Future Past. <laughs> I,
0: I know. But it's gotta be the same person. It's gotta be the same person. Because that's pointless and this entire sequence is pointless.
2: Well see, and you also mentioned the the jet. Mm-hmm. Uh that like that, that's like so there's two things that happen is um Professor X is forced to tell the whole world through via apocalypse that he's going to destroy it basically and he gives Gene the secret message. Number one that that, that could have happened anywhere. So anywhere. that you know they don't have to be the, at the base for that to happen. The second thing is about the jet. That's like they get they basically steal a jet from Alkali Lake. But they literally mm. devote screen time earlier in the film for Hank to show mystique like this cool jet project that he's working on, and then nothing happens with it because it gets destroyed.
0: something totally happens it gets destroyed.
2: <laughs> I know, but like what does that do for his character? <laughs> nothing. nothing so they should have had like it, it almost felt like they were going to use the jet at some point, and no, they don't so i don't it's not like a red herring for anything it's it just that thread ends.
0: Yeah, that's, that's such an odd choice. It's like fan Service, that's it. Is there any other reason? No, fan service. That's 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 the only reason why we need it, right? I guess so. Yeah. Screw it. Give him the money. And you know, we do get a, a comic accurate wolverine look, but it doesn't make up for the fact that this entire scene is just like
2: Well technically he wasn't naked, so
0: True, true. <laughs> I mean he had all the stuff on him though, so but yeah, yeah it's sure. just this whole whole thing was just like la di da. Let's just have this back. That's all I have on my points. If you have some more, please please give them to me.
2: Yeah, so I've got two more, and I'm gonna do the good one first because I've been saying a lot of negative stuff about this film, and I there's there's good things that happen in this film. The other thing, well, actually, there is a negative part about this point, but there's good parts too. So, I want to talk briefly about Magneto. Um, So, he's gone off to Poland, and he's gotten married, and he must have got to making babies real quick because he's got, like, a nine-year-old daughter, and this is, like, ten years later.
0: (laughs) No, he must have, like, immediately left right after, found found some chica and said, Hey, baby! Knocked her up really quickly.
2: (laughs) I guess she stuck around, too. Wow. So... Well, he tells her on the very first night, apparently, that they met that he was Magneto. So that literally means he just went and found this girl and was like, Hey, baby, hey, I, I just almost killed the president. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the good part about all the Magneto stuff is it's still very compelling for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is Michael Fassbender's performance, which undoubtedly it's really good, or how much of it is the writing. i um, right now, it's both... I loved his his portrayal of the agony that he felt. It felt very visceral and uh that was probably my single favorite like emotional response in the entire movie. The way that it happens is not really that believable like not so much the way that it happens but just the events that led to Magneto getting there 10 years later. It's just kind of weird to think that. I feel like, so First Class did this um, and Days of Future Past did this where Magneto goes off at the end of the movie and it's like, oh, he's bad. He's going to go do some bad stuff. He's going to go build up his brotherhood of mutants. But then you see in the very next movie that it that doesn't happen. Like in, Desi- in the beginning of Days of Future Past, he's in jail. Uh, for trying to save the president, no less. It wasn't a bad act that he was in jail for. At the beginning of this movie, he's pretending to be like a Polish worker. So he was like trying to hide from the authorities. But I got the impression at the end of Days of Future Past that he was going off to do bad M- Magneto things. And then they even <laughs> kind of do it in this movie at the end, where like he, he's like... He's not sticking around with the X Men. So it's kind of more mysterious in this one, but mm-hmm. it's just weird that they do that every time. I feel like they're they always have to make Magneto's story worse in every movie. They make it a little bit worse. And this kind of ties in back to what I was talking about with the family theme. Yeah. I really think At the end of this movie, they should have had Quicksilver um, reveal to Magneto that he was his son. I think it should have happened in this movie because I think that family was the theme that they were going for. And I don't know exactly how you would have done that, but definitely I think Magneto should have seen Apocalypse like basically break his son's leg, and at that point, he should have known somehow that Quicksilver was his son, and that should have been the moment. That should have been the breaking point for Magneto to betray, or to turn back on Apocalypse. I think that would have been a lot more compelling. Do you agree with me on that?
0: I agree, and it's like they tried to do that, but they didn't because <laughs> they See, don't It's play... like
2: they all they have these good ideas, and they almost they get so close, right? They they like they're like all right we're gonna do it they're gonna do it and then they get right up to it and they back off mm-hmm. like the the quicksilver thing is a perfect example of it because they set that up at the beginning of the movie that he's gonna go find his dad and he's gonna tell him but no they save it for the next movie and if i'm gonna be pissed if he doesn't tell him in the next movie please don't tell me i'm gonna be so pissed if it doesn't happen though if he doesn't tell him if they don't find out that he's his son but that's a different conversation I'm-
1: Mystique told me he is your father. Are you going to tell him? Might. One day. I think for now, I'm just going to stick around here for a while. <sighs> me too.
2: I don't know. I, I really just think that they should have done that. I think it would have worked with, with what they were going for, with the whole family thing. Because it's like, yeah, he lost his daughter and his wife with one arrow. And yeah, that's going to mess someone up, especially given that it's Magneto and he's already gone through some messed up stuff. So it would have been that much more compelling that finding out that he has a son who's wanting to connect with him, that that's the way that he basically comes back to the good side. I would have loved to have seen that in this movie. And I think that that's how it should have gone. Anyway. Well. Oh,
0: yeah, i definitely agree that this is uh, the magneto scene was pretty great and i actually wrote you know this is the from for me this is definitely the second saddest like scene in the x-men universe like i i can't think the only other one that i think is the saddest oh, I know is the say. entire logan movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like because i was thinking about like what other scene is sadder than this and like I think of all of the scenes that happen in Logan and like, I can't pinpoint one of those that is like less than each one of them. And I think just the entire movie of Logan is just a sad movie for being that, that X-Men movie. And this is, this is what would come up second if you just concluded Logan as number one saddest thing ever. This is definitely number two for me. You know, you, he's like, he's desperately trying to like, do good but unfortunately it doesn't go his way and like in this same scene like he looks up to the sky and screams like what do you want from me? What am I supposed to be? Like Magneto is like it's like every time he tries to do something which he thinks is good it never leads to good it always ends up in a crappy situation and he just it just confuses the heck out of him, clearly, because as soon as Apocalypse comes, he, he, he immediately joins him, because he thinks that's what he's supposed to be. He even tells Eric that. He's like, I'm supposed to be this. But clearly in the end, he turns good again, so it's like, well, what do you want to do with yourself? It's really yeah. confusing what they do with Magneto, because they flip-flop him so much in this, in these, this films. The newer x-men movies well see and that's
2: why i I think it would have made a lot more sense if they did actually go through with the quicksilver thing because it would have it would have been a lot more reason for him to to give up being bad for good i mean because he says like multiple times like you know your way didn't work i tried it and that's the scene you were talking about when he's screaming at the sky basically that's specifically what i was talking about like you feel his agony there and it's great like it you feel it i don't know there's nothing else really that i have to say about it i love michael fassbender's performance and i just i just really wish they would have tied that together a little bit nicer at the end Mm -hmm. um and then my last point is i want to talk about mystique so what the crap was she doing for 10 years i don't know I, I, i honestly don't know
0: not not having any development whatsoever because jennifer lawrence wanted out at this point
2: (laughs) see this might be the most frustrating (laughs) one for me because we're coming straight off of days of future past and i thought that i had that movie figured out i was like oh yeah like you know i even said in the last podcast episode that uh, the first time i watched apocalypse i was always confused about what her character was doing and so when i went back and watched days of future past it made a lot more sense that they were going a different, completely different direction with the character of Mystique, and more like where she's like a, a good person, basically, like an X Men. But then at the beginning of this movie, she's not an X Man. She's not been with them for like ten years because again, this is ten years in the future. There's even a on the TV at one point. Uh, I think it's in Cairo at Storm's house. It says ten year anniversary, and it's got Magneto from Days of Future Past on the screen. So this is confirmed to be 10 years in the future. But what was she doing? Like, even, was she just trying to find mutants that were being abused? Because she finds Kurt, uh, Nightcrawler. Like, was that her goal?
0: Uh, She obviously
2: knows Caliban, too.
0: (laughs) it's, It's a really weird thing because, like, she does say to Charles, like, mutants all around the world are hurting. So clearly, it has she's been doing something to try and help me. That's mutants. true,
2: I forgot about that.
0: But at the same time, it's never expressed that way. Like, she's clearly doesn't want to be a hero for some reason. Like, she's trying to put that off. But it's like in this movie, everyone sees her as a hero because all these mutants saw her do good on that day and they want to be like her but for some reason she's completely against being good
2: yeah and see i feel like part of it is just like they're lazy and they didn't want to do the makeup um because she's hardly in it in this movie (laughs) and the same with beast i feel like I feel I honestly feel like that that's one of the reasons they're not always in their makeup is that they were too lazy to actually do it, which doesn't come across great. But the other part about her like w- what she's up to, like her motivations during this whole the, the beginning of this movie and the previous 10 years or basically between movies is it seems like her goal to me is she's trying to find mutants who are being abused and basically save them. But the only one we see is Nightcrawler. So were there other mutants before him? Because what she does with Nightcrawler is bring him directly to the X-Mansion. But they're like, oh, we haven't seen you in like 10 years. What the heck? So what has she been doing with the mutants she finds? Well,
0: uh, remember, that was a special circumstance. She only brought Nightcrawler with her because she also had the news about Eric.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, that's fine. That's fine then but but the thing that really gets me this is what this is really the thing is that she's searching for mutants this has got to take her forever man she knows charles who has cerebro which is literally purposed to find mutants she could be so much more effective if she was at the x mansion like if that's her whole goal then that's fine just i don't understand why you have to be away from the X-Men, <laughs> it was just such a weird choice to me. It just didn't feel like what they were setting up her character to be. And, they, cause they go right back to it at the end of the movie, right? Like, she's, she gets into that leadership role back in the end of the movie. So, it's like, I, there's, there's a better way to do, like, the, I don't wanna be a leader, like the reluctant hero trope. Mm-hmm. There's a better way to do that they just they didn't really hit it quite right in this one
0: well first off to retort i'll say i know you said they're probably lazy they don't want to do the makeup i can tell you it probably wasn't laziness it was contract they kept putting her in the makeup so much that she was getting tired she was like wait i need people to see my face same with nicole's Holt. they wanted their faces to be shown you're right it is frustrating (laughs) but um What I've learned listening to like podcasts and stuff is that a lot of the times you see a hero or someone without a mask and they wear a mask because their contract says they have to show their face a certain percent of time while they're in the film. And I'm sure in this film they asked for even more time without the makeup. and That is why you get the seemingly lazy, oh, they're only in it towards the end and stuff because uh, uh with uh I know in Star Wars with uh, the villain Kylo Ren he wears a helmet and in The Last Jedi he destroys the helmet and uh so to show his face more essentially but it's it's always it's a contract thing that you nor I have any control over like we just have to take it as it comes like I'm sure if you looked at a Robert Downey Jr. Marvel contract, he had to have a certain amount of time where his face was shown on the screen more than he was in the Iron Man suit. That's kind of why he probably saw less and less Iron Man suitage in the Marvel films.
2: That's that's really interesting. I've never really thought about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, I always kind of thought that the reason that superhero masks get torn off towards the like in the big final battles, I thought that that was really more of a way to just show emotion on the character's face because it's hard to do that if you've got a helmet or a mask on. And I I do actually, now that I'm thinking about that, I think that that was the reason that Spider-Man's mask gets torn off in the very first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. I'm pretty sure I remember hearing Sam Raimi talk about that because there's, you know, Spider-Man in the comics, he's got like expressive eyes. You can draw them however you want to make them expressive. Well, they couldn't really do that in real life, so they just kind of made made it to where his mask kind of got torn off so you could kind of see more character emotion and feel more for the character. So it makes sense in that regard, but that's that's really interesting, though.
0: I, I will tell you that what you just said is true on certain movies, but on, like, a movie with this that has such a big, like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, Nicholas Holt, oscar isaac michael fassbender you know they yeah it's in their contract that they can't be in a certain they have to be themselves for a certain amount of time and i can tell you that this movie probably had the most percentage where it had to be them also keep in mind i don't know if you ever heard jennifer lawrence was really wanting out at this point she did not want to do apocalypse yeah at this point she's phoning it in and
2: it comes uh, through too yes
0: and it, it sucks because it's like well, you you devoted two movies to this character and now you just want to, like, say, screw off. You can't do that. I'm pretty sure they signed her to a certain movie deal. And they're like, well, you're signed. You have to do this. You can't get out of this or you're going to have to pay us a lot of moolah. And I'm sure, you know, she was like, well, I don't want to pay the moolah, so I'm going to phone it in that's what i that happened with natalie portman in the thor movies
2: yeah especially yeah, in thor 2 that's, that's
1: <laughs>
0: probably the most popular one that they did she's it.
2: coming back which is so weird
0: mm-hmm. and then it, it actually happened to natalie portman twice it happened on that on the thor movies but believe it or not it also happened in star wars episode 3 where she was getting oh, tired holy. of george lucas and so george lucas huh. said screw you i'm gonna make you look weak this entire movie because the original script for Star Wars Episode 3, her character was actually a pretty strong and prominent character. But when you watch Star Wars Episode 3, they took her back a lot. So believe it or not, this is a common thing that happens to people in the film industry where they get tired or they want something done and it doesn't get done, but they're on a contract. It's, it's a whole web of things, a whole web of problems. It's crazy, like we could probably do a podcast on all the problems that come out of things like this, believe it or not. But yeah, there was just that aspect of her wanting to be, you know, herself for the movie. But, you know, as far as her and mystique goes and her, like apparently saving X-Men, um, I, is this theory true or is this actually like a thing true? Is, um, Nightcrawler, Mystique, and Azazel's son?
2: See, that's a very good question. I don't know if... I'm pretty sure that that's true in the comics. I'm I'm almost like 90% sure. I'm not 100%. Because,
0: like, that may be another reason we saw this one specifically and we saw her specifically take him to the X-Men because she knew Charles could help him and she had an emotional connection. That wasn't shown at all. Let's just throw that out there. That was never shown in this movie. So you are not yeah. led to believe that at all. You're just led to believe she's helping him.
2: Okay, He this this confirms it. Okay. Yeah, he is the son of Nightcrawler and Azazel in the comics. And so it's, it's another thing. It's it's almost like they were going that route where <laughs> it they, didn't were hit try- it. <laughs> they were trying to make, yeah, because um, they introduced Azazel in in first class which is also where they reintroduced mystique mm-hmm. and so it's like okay they're gonna you know is gonna come along eventually maybe you can still say that he is their son but he's in this final battle i don't know it's just so weird like it doesn't make sense that's that's a weird thing to think about i hadn't thought about that it but is then weird. also in x x2 um they like have a little weird interaction at one point when they're at the camp
0: because remember, remember mystique has the ability to make herself look younger than she actually is
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we have to keep that into account so it kind of makes sense even though it is weird but so kind of makes sense at the same time but yeah i mean that's all i really have to say about that the whole mystique thing she's just at this point jennifer lawrence was tired of mystique and just wanted out
2: it's just so frustrating because she was so good in the last movie Mm -hmm. she was one of my favorite characters in days of future past i love the route that they took her and like what her character was going through and everything i don't know it worked for me in the last movie she wasn't bad in this movie it just felt like they didn't know what to do with her character after days of future past Alright, but yeah, that's all my points. I've got a couple nitpicks. I don't know if you do.
0: Yes, I have quite a bit of nitpicks, actually.
2: Okay, so I'll let you go first.
0: Uh, I'm going to start with the weirdest one in the entire movie for me, which was uh, at the beginning when we see um, Scott, you know, he's getting his powers, and he goes and he sits in the stall, and then the bully comes, and he's kind of like banging on the door. And then Scott opens his eyes and lets the lasers out, and it hits the door and knocks the guy back, but then he, when Scott looks up, it literally cuts through the building, and then he stops (laughs) his eyes. (laughs) So, why, why didn't it cut through the door? (laughs) Like, that makes no sense, like that's so and true two, not even a millisecond later it proves that his lasers could probably kill this kid but he, the kid gets just knocked back it's like uh, okay <laughs> that <laughs> that happened
2: <laughs> that's so funny because I, when i was watching it too i was thinking like man there ain't no way this dude survived that like that was a that, that would have hurt um, and I, like, I got past it because, like, I, I just kind of assumed that the door was metal, and nope, it, it was just, wood. it would, I it was it wood, I thought it was, was at first, I just kind of, after it happened, I assumed it was metal, but you pointing out, that's so true, like, he freaking looked up, and the ceiling is literally, like, there's a giant rift in it, that's, that's so
1: true.
0: Like, how did this kid survive? Like, there's no freaking way this kid would have lived through that at all yeah yeah exactly. unfortunately i guess another one when it it comes way later in the film i i just realized we kind of went over some of the nitpicks, so i'm skipping over some of them and then some of them i can't say yet um but uh, at the very end whenever um like professor x is like you're alone uh apocalypse and then he's like i have her and Jean gray comes walking through For some reason, I don't know why, they took a whole two minutes to do this really slow, dramatic walk, like, to, like, to Apocalypse, and it just took forever. Like, I really wanted to look at my watch and be like, "Okay, come on now, let's get there, we don't need all this. I don't know why they chose to make that slow motion, but it really drew out the scene. And it, like, messed it up, messed up the flow, essentially. Like, they could have taken care of Apocalypse much faster than they actually did. But, of course, no. And I, uh, a nitpick I have is why did they give Mora back her memories?
2: Why did they take them away in the first place? (laughs) That's,
0: that's, if you're just gonna give them back later, then stop. Next stop. Yeah. You're just being stupid now.
2: It was literally just uh, an explanation for her not being in the last movie because it didn't make any sense why she wasn't in the last movie because that was all like political stuff. The last movie was more political than the first one. You know Mm -hmm. that there would have been CIA agents there with um, like the whole presidential thing at the end of uh, Days of Future Past. So I don't know. It's I feel like it was just an excuse to get her. Like, to to basically explain why she wasn't in the last movie. Dumb. And it was just dumb.
0: <laughs> the dumbest yeah. thing ever.
2: You're... Yeah, I 100% agree on that.
0: And, and then I guess... I guess my final nitpick is... It's not necessarily the film's fault because... You know... Fox was bought out by Disney. But that... In-credit mm-hmm.
2: scene. Oh, yeah. It...
0: What were they leading up to. I feel like you explained this to me once and I forgot and seeing this again it's kind of like
1: See,
0: well, what are they going to do?
1: I don't know, I, but I can tell you my, straight up.
0: Next movie doesn't talk about SX corpse at all. I'll tell you that right now.
2: My interpretation of it was that um the blood that SX Corp was um collecting from Wolverine is that's eventually what what they use to clone all like to make X23 and eventually X24 in Logan. That was that was the only thing I could get from that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean in Logan they are using his DNA to basically make I don't even know how exactly it works in Logan. Like it's been a while since I've seen it, but I know that like they they're impregnating women like uh hispanic women somehow to make off like wolverine offspring mutant offspring mm-hmm. and then for x-24 they were just like oh let's just clone him and make an adult version and so i think that they used his blood for that or some of his dna somehow so that was the only way that i could connect it in my head i don't know if that was intended but it, it has nothing to do with xx court yeah and that's like a sinister a mr sinister thing mm-hmm. i think so and you know you never get Mister Sinister in this franchise. So
0: yeah, you uh. So that that end credit scene is was practically wasted, unfortunately. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, not in Dark Phoenix. So it's like, what were they setting up? Like like you said, Logan, maybe. But at the same time, it's like, eh, that's really it's really crappy. That <laughs> that's that's where <what> it led <laughs> up. To. That's all we got. Well, kind of, Those are my nitpicks. Because I can't really say the other ones I have.
2: Until next week. <laughs> Until but next
0: yeah, week. I've, Go ahead and tell some. me yours. I'm sure you have some.
2: All right, this one, this one gets me so bad. Um, Alex Summers is in his 40s in this movie.
0: It doesn't look like that at all.
2: <laughs> uh, Lucas Till is is only <laughs> like six years older or five years older than he was when he played in first class, mm-hmm. but this is also three decades in the future. So he's supposed to be 30 years older.
0: Well, remember he was in, he was in the futures past for I know. a split second.
2: Oh yeah. Sorry, not 30 years. I did the extra decade. He would have been 20 years older in yeah. this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I presumably he was probably, I think he was in juvie um, in first class. So I think mm-hmm. he would have been like 17 ish there. So that means that when he was in Vietnam he would have been in around twenty seven. Which makes sense in this no sense. movie, he would have been thirty seven.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and cause... he's
2: got a little brother. Yeah. Like that's the other thing about this that doesn't make sense to me is that they try to make you care for um uh Cyclops because he loses his brother in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't buy that they even had a relationship because Cyclops is like, 20 years younger. He was, like, seven years old during the events. I think they even say that. I think they say that the kids in Scott's class were seven years old when Magneto attacked the president in Days of Future Past. Yeah, they say that. Uh, So that means uh, he would have been 20 years younger than his older brother, which, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not impossible by any means, but I know that that when that's a reality, you're not really like that close with your sibling Mm -hmm. so that was just really weird and lucas still didn't look 37 at all (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, that creates a continuity issue because that means um freaking he was 27 in the vietnam war i hate to tell you this in the vietnam war you know we weren't (laughs) we were sending the the draft age is 18 to 25 he wouldn't
2: (laughs) yeah they were they were literally acting like it was the year after first class yeah
0: i i take it back he would have been there because he probably would have turned 27 while he was in nom
1: that's true yeah but still still,
0: like after after a certain amount of tours after a certain amount of tours you did or years you did in like service you would be kicked out he would have not been there till 1973 unless he got drafted like very last like that's the only way that one makes sense <laughs> so yeah it creates well, yeah. a little error right there
2: and then the other one was um quicksilver's age was kind of weird too because he was presumably a teenager in the last movie maybe 16 17 maybe 18 years old um i think you could the lowest you could get away with is probably 16, and that's even pushing it because he looked like 18. Mm -hmm. But that would have meant that he was 27 in this movie, and he doesn't look 27. I mean, I guess maybe? Like, I don't know. He could, he might could pass for 27, but he just doesn't look 10 years older, and he's still living in his mom's basement. And I know that Mm -hmm. he mentions that. He kind of jokes about that, but um, it's just, it's a little bit weird. To me that he's aged 10 years and he hasn't done anything in the, those 10 years um, yeah but yeah that that's that nitpick i don't know if you had any input on that
0: but. no you're right about the age it's just odd
2: okay we were talking about uh, mystique earlier did she look extra blue to you like extremely blue in this movie whenever she was in her mystique makeup
0: um i did not notice that i'm sure it was because if you look at the posters it's the theme is the color theme is blue so i wouldn't be surprised
2: but like her skin tint was just so blue like i don't even know how to it was like uh our high school the ocean Springs greyhounds level blue like vibrant blue and it's never that bright of a blue in uh the other movies and Beast was the same way. He was, like, when he was in Beast makeup, super blue, man. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just... It stood out really harshly to me. Um, especially given that, like, Apocalypse just looked so bland next to them. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of weird. Like, the something about the makeup was weird. Because I think also uh, Mystique's hair was, like, a little bit weirder. Like, the way it was slicked back looked kind of weird. So which I, I've seen memes before of like her makeup progression through the movies and it's different every movie. So that's mm-hmm. kind of funny. But um, obviously that doesn't affect like the, the movie. Another one, and I, I'll start this out as a, as a good thing at first. I actually, there was a lot of pretty decent CGI in this movie. And one of the ones in particular that I thought looked pretty good, looked pretty well polished was Archangel. I liked I liked his wings, his metal wings, but there were like one or two scenes at the end where he's fighting with Nightcrawler, and his flight looked awful. Like it was just like one or two times that I caught it, and it just it looked so bad when they were he was like the way he was flapping his wings and moving way too fast out of the shot. It it just felt really jarring to me, but it's so weird because there was a handful of like most of the other scenes when he was flying, it actually looked pretty good. Like I didn't have any issues with it. It was just that one time it caught me off guard and I was looking for it after that and um, I saw it like one one other time. And then um, another CGI related one was when Apocalypse dies. At the end he melts away and it's horrible CGI. It looks, it looks like if someone took the scene from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark where the dude burns alive at the end and Mm -hmm. they they animated that because that looks better than this movie. Like Mm -hmm. the animation of, of his skin melting away and like you can see like the red muscles and the skull and everything showing through. It looks straight up animated. It was, it was like the level of animation from the, the scene in the last movie where Eric is rewiring the Sentinels.
0: Oh God. (laughs) Don't remind me of that.
2: Just to end it on a positive note, I I actually really enjoyed a lot of the fights at the end. Like I thought that um, the way they paired them was pretty cool. I love Psylocke. I liked um, all of her fighting in the movie. Um, Storm did a couple cool things. I don't know. I, I liked how they did most of that in that last scene. Doesn't it make sense that Cyclops wouldn't have died though because Apocalypse had the time to push him into a wall and we already saw earlier in the movie where he straight up killed the dude by doing that mm-hmm. but he doesn't kill Cyclops who is actively trying to stop him. I don't know.
0: I I can't say. I just kind of discovered two more. I kind of have um one is uh it's the scene where they they get Charles out of the pyramid and they have him in this place and Sophie Turner is talking and it I I could hear the difference from the levels of the audio that she it was definitely post production audio like they definitely have voice over just yeah. to try and add up and I was like oh, I shouldn't have noticed that but I did and then the other thing is kind of a callback to the last movie remember I said they show um Nicholas Holt but he has normal feet Yeah. Well, he has beast feet again in this movie. Like they set up Joe's feet, and I was like, (laughs) "Why?"
2: Yeah, I noticed that.
0: Thanks for going back to continuity, but you couldn't have done that last movie too. Yeah.
2: I I still didn't like the beast makeup in this Mm -hmm. movie, but I actually did think it looked a tad bit better. I like seeing beast is really blue. Not so much Mystique. Hers needs to be more of like a navy blue, but in this one they went for like royal blue, and it was just weird. Um,
0: yeah, they, they keep trying things to come.
2: And I know we we didn't talk a whole lot about it, but I actually really did enjoy the scene where um, Professor X and Apocalypse were mind battling. Mm-hmm. I honestly wish it was longer, too. I feel like given that it was a mind battle, I feel like Professor X would have been able to outlast Apocalypse for a little bit longer. Because he's got like the most powerful mind ever, but um, as far as like what they were doing with the scene, it was really cool to see them. Like he's like, "Oh, you're in my house now," and watching apocalypse grow really big. I thought that was pretty well done. CGI looked pretty decent, except for the slow walk, Gene Gray.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Oh, and then uh, you got to talk about the last scene of the movie is literally like they get you so hype. Because it's mm-hmm. like they're in the danger room and they're all in their traditional costumes, and you're like, yes, yes, oh. yes, and then they stop the movie.
0: All oh, of them are in <laughs> those awesome comic accurate suits, especially when Cyclops turns around and he has Dude. the
2: oh, yeah. original
0: costume. It's like, yes, that's awesome, and the movie. Ends.
2: It's so <laughs> irritating. They're like, we're gonna give it to you. We're gonna. Oh, gotta wait till next movie.
0: Yeah, next movie.
2: <laughs> so yeah that was uh x apocalypse guys pretty uh, what what score do you give this out of ten
0: i give it a six out of ten i think i honestly think i gave uh, uh x-men lost stand the same but this this is also a six out of ten i don't know I have to go back on my notes to make sure but
1: yeah
2: yeah i i can't remember what i give i don't know if i actually gave scores for the other movies so i should actually I should actually probably do that really quick. I know I gave one for Days of Future Past. I said an 8.5. Uh-huh. And First Class, I said it would sit around a around an 8. So I'll just say an 8 for that one. Apocalypse, I did write a score. I said 6.5 out of 10.
0: So we're both pretty close.
2: So I actually rated it higher than you, which is uh-huh. kind of funny. But um, that's about where I'm at with Apocalypse. I think it there's enjoyable stuff with it. There's just, there's a lot of continuity issues that yeah. really I can't get past completely. So I think it sits around a 6.5 for me. Um, I'm not going to rank the other ones right now, but I, I will rank them like how I think that they go in order of my least favorite to my favorite. But I want you to go first.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to go first. All right, yeah. so I already wrote down my list, so I had it prepared. So sitting at number one still is X-Men Days of Future's Past. Number two, okay. still X-Men First Class. Number three is still X-2. Number four, still X-1. And at number five, I put X-Men Apocalypse. And then at number six, X-3 fits.
2: Freddy, you're not going to believe it. I did the <laughs> exact, exact same. same. Yes. Okay, man. See, I X men 1 was just better to me. I, yeah. I had a hard time with him. I was like battling back and forth with X1 and Apocalypse because I kept moving it down. I basically just kept moving it down my list, Apocalypse, until I figured out and it happened to be X-Men 3, uh, The Last Stand, was the one that lost out at the end because there's no way. I'd rather go watch Apocalypse again than go watch The Last Stand. Yeah, that's, dang it. So we've done it again. Wow, that is crazy. done it
0: again, everybody.
2: Oh, man. Well, that was fun. Oh, again, my... it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. Definitely one of my points too. So you know, so if I mean, if you haven't watched it in a while, I really think you should go give it a watch again. I really feel like it gets a bad rep more than it deserves.
2: Oh man, I I'm I don't know what to think about next week, Freddie. <laughs> I really don't.
0: I'm really ready for you to watch this movie, and I haven't watched this movie in... It hasn't been a year yet. It's been like eight months since I last
2: yeah.
1: seen
0: it. But, uh, I, I'm interested myself to go back and visit it, but I already have some gripes going into it because of this movie. I will tell you that yeah. right now. So that's not boding well for this film. And <laughs> I can't wait next week to discuss the stuff that this movie does. But, <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very much anticipating watching it. <laughs> It'll be uh, an interesting time for me. I'm I'm sure I'm gonna have so many nitpicks for that oh, one, man. Especially
0: since you watched this movie, you will. I'm sure we'll have the same thing.
2: Oh man! <laughs> All right. Um. So other than that, please follow us on Instagram at at Cinema Pod is the Instagram handle. We would love for you to chat with us, to tell us what you thought about these movies. Again, we don't want this to just be a conversation with just me and Freddie. I mean, that's fun. We're having fun doing it, but um, we'd probably have even more fun if you guys wanted to give us your thoughts as well. So please do that. We even want at some point to um, kind of start doing polls to see which movies you guys want us to watch. And we're working at on some point in the not too distant future, um, bringing on some guests onto the show. Uh, we're just trying to get established first before we do that so that we kind of know what we're doing and uh, so that we know that we can make it work right. Um, but yeah, please go follow us. Um, tell your friends about us and go watch Dark Phoenix. You got anything to add, Freddie?
0: Nope, we said everything.
2: Okay, so um, until next week, I am Connor.
0: And I am Freddie. And we are the Cinema (laughs) Shakers.
2: Yep. We sought some uh, some interesting cinema this week, and it's going to be some even more interesting cinema next week. So (laughs) stay tuned for more, guys. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye.